For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to Believe in Pistons, a Detroit Pistons podcast brought to you by the Believe Network. I am your host, Brandon Den, a.k.a. Detroit Kool-Aid, credentialed NBA media. And guys, listen, man, it's a freezing cold. It's a, it is Saturday night, December 24th. So definitely happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everybody. I hope everybody out there got what you wanted. I, I really do. I really do. I really do. I hope that you guys are on this nice list, not the naughty list this year. Listen, we're going to talk about some naughty and nice today. The business defense, naughty. Jalen Durant, nice. And we got, we got to follow up a heat check on what we talked about last time. Killian Hayes, as well as Jay Ivey versus Benedict Mathurin. Does your boy know what he's talking about or not? Listen, on this episode of Belief in Pistons, we're going to get into it. So let's rock. We're going to start off with this defense, all right? We have to. I uh, did some writing on Wilbur Sports where I am a beat writer, a credential a beat writer for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, and it's been a time this year, man. You know, they came in with a lot of expectation. They got hit with the injury bug early to multiple people. They didn't even start off the season with guys like, uh, you know, Kevin Knox, Alec Burks, who've been instrumental for them off the bench. Uh, they didn't start the season with Marvin Bagley, who has been their best pick and roll big until late when Jalen Duran has started to, you know, get his feet underneath him. Uh, so this team has started off rocky. And then when you lose your star, you know, even though he's a second year player, you you lose the guy to start the star, that's, uh, you know, the straw that stirs the drink in K Cunningham. Well, then it's just a recipe for disaster. And it, it, the craziest thing is how much the defense has been affected, not just by these losses, by, but by some other uh, factors that we might not be talking about or thinking of. All right. So, look. I did an article. I'm going to bring up some some parts and pieces of that article as it relates to some factors. And the first thing I want to do is compare the Pistons defense, man, to last year. Uh, and it's only right because of how far this team has dropped. It, it's it's a precipitous drop. So let's get these files up here in a little bit. Um, I do want to ask you guys, what are your thoughts on this team's defense, man? You know, has it been one that's been like extremely disappointing? Has it been one where you're like, you know what, you think that they're a team in learning, they're a team in transition? Uh, because for me personally, there was a, a time where I was like, you know what, they're learning, they're in transition. Uh, you know, I know that they got to do better. Everybody knows that they have to do better. But what I've been seeing lately, it's just been like, yo, this is a serious problem. They're going out there and they're getting punked. And so what we're going to do today is try and figure out, is this something that can be fixed internally? Is it something that has to be fixed externally? A la uh, Troy Weaver and the GM. Uh, and then some factors of how we got here, you know. Um, all right, we got it up. We're going to pull up the first of these articles here. And let me see if we can get the factors up here first. Yeah, we got them up here. All right. Let me share this screen for you guys. The first of the factors. Well, not the first of the factors. I got three factors that we're going to go over. But the first thing we're going to do is talk about a comparison from last year. Uh, to this year to see if it even is that big of a deal, man. And trust me, y'all, it is. All right, so we're going to get into the sharing of the screen. Uh, and, and, y'all, you know, it's when I looked at this um, this makeup, when I looked at what was going on, I was like, this is not a good thing here, man. Um, all right, yeah, we got it up here. Look, 
for lack of, of a better terms, for the NBA's second worst defense, it, it looks inexperienced and undersized. The Pistons' defensive rating of 117.4 puts them just slightly ahead of the San Antonio Spurs of 117.8. And that's that's dead last, you know. And, you know, I put in there that the way it's being translated to fans has left many questioning their effort, their heart, and their determination. The hallmarks of historical Detroit Pistons defenses, as well as the trait that binds all Michiganders, especially our sports teams and fans in Southeast Michigan. You know, uh, there, are fa- there are factors to consider as to the reasons behind the bad defense. But should it be this much worse than last year? So look, so I compared it. I went over to NBA.com, you know. I looked at the stats from 2021 to 2022 where they were 23 and 59, their record, you know. Um, and that was after a very, very, very slow start. They went on a really, really good stretch after all-star break. They were 10 and 14 uh in games with Kay Cunningham. And a few of those losses were losses that were like, you know, he got pulled out early of one of them. One of them it was like an injury or something. Um, and so there were another one, a couple of them were like close losses, very, very close losses. You know, uh, and they very, very well easily could have been about 500. But 10 and 14 after the start they had, mind you, only won, what, you know, 23 games. That was a huge run. So there was a lot of expectation coming into this season. Uh, and they thought they had it right. You know, they thought, hey, Jeremy Grant's a ball stopper on offense. Let's get him out of here. They thought that they had some good young players to rely on to, to kind of replace that, as well as some good young players that they had brought in some other, you know, in the trade for Burks, Knox, Noel, you know, got Duran, drafted Ivy. This team and you signed Bojan should have taken a step forward in a lot of regards. And the offense did. The offense is sitting, you know, much better than it was last year. But the defense has fallen off a cliff and every Detroit Pistons team, that is a winner, is known for its defense. You can't call this a rebuild or restoration if your defense is not hitting. Uh, so, look, last year the defensive rating was 24th in the league at 113.3. And if they had a 113.3 defensive rating this year, it would be even better um, You know, than it, than, than it fared this year or last year. Uh, 7.7 steals per game, 4.8 blocks per game, uh, opponent second chance points uh, with 12.5 points per game. And in the point paints for the opponents was under 50. I think that that is a good metric. You want to hold people under 50 points in the paint. You don't want them coming in and getting 120 and a half. The points is in the paint. That means you got pumped. Um, 2022, 2023, the Pistons right now, their current record um, at the time of this article is eight and 26. And they're on pace for 18 and 19 total wins. That I'm sorry, yo, that is just too. That's that's not the start that you want to see out of a team that's supposed to be coming back and 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 building on what they had last season to show that this restoration is moving in the right spot you know right direction but last year you know the defensive rating 117.4 that's good for 29th in the league just ahead of san antonio spurs for last as we covered earlier 6.7 steals 3.6 blocks the opponent's points went up you know second chance points up three 15.2 and then the the pain points up another five points 54.2 pain points and it feels like it's been worse than that like when i look at the numbers i'm like all right you know, some people say it looks marginal, but when your averages are showing by the tunes of like one whole steal, you know, one whole block, three whole points uh, for second chance points per game, it's showing that there is something detrimental to your offense. I mean, to your defense. And I wanted to be able to bring that up because it's important. It sets the stage for where we're going as it relates to talking about this Detroit Pistons defense and just how bad it's been and what they need to do to fix it after we go through these factors. So factor number one, what do you think I'm going here? What do you think is the Pistons' biggest need on defense? Definitely put that down in the comments. Uh, talk about it. Let me know if you think I am wrong as well. What do you think is the Pistons' biggest need on defense? And I've, I've kind of looked at this and peeped this all year. 
um, going back to the summer over on the Wilbur Pistons podcast and everything where I was talking about it with Detroit News Rod Beard. He was a former Detroit Pistons beat writer for the Detroit News, now currently their assistant sports editor. So just talking to him to try and get a feel of it as I'm going into my second full season covering the Pistons, my first one on the actual beat. You know, uh, it was interesting to be able to get his dialogue on what he thought. The one thing that he brought up that nobody was really talking about in the summer was the loss of Jeremy Grant. And if we were underestimating that loss and we had great conversation on it because Jeremy Grant is not somebody you could just say is a slouch. He was brought here. And the the, the number one aspect of why he was kind of, uh, you know, wanted was because of the defense that he had. We all knew that his offense was a developing aspect of his game. And people thought for the 20 million a year that Troy signed Jeremy Grant for that maybe that's a little bit too much for a guy who could only really, really, really be effective on a star level, maybe reach a star level on defense, not on offense, you know. And so what I want to be able to do here is get into a little bit of Jeremy Grant. That's our factor number one as to why this defense has looked as bad as it has looked. So we're going to bring that in here now. Let me get this here. And I want to hear you guys' thoughts on it as well. You know, Jeremy Grant, six foot nine, seven three wingspan. That's not something that's just easy to, you know, replace. And I believe that we thought it would be easy to replace. You know, uh, people just thought, hey, just get somebody in here like a Boyan, because that honestly to me is like the, the, the direct kind of makeup is that Boyan is here now. Uh, he was supposed to be able to add a little bit more to this defense. I mean, to this team uh, offensively and uh, and obviously overall. Uh, and he has in a lot of parts, uh, a lot of respects for the offense. But on the defensive side of things, it, it has just affected this team in ways that they're going to have to figure something out. Earlier in the season, they tried to run the lineup of Sadiq Bey and Boyan at the three and the four. And Dwayne Casey kept saying in the press conference, they even got the opportunity to ask him about it. You know, he wants to play the two bigs. Uh, Boyan is not a four. It's not fair to him to be down there trying to defend those guys because you are what you could defend. And if neither Boyan or Sadiq can successfully guard the four, then they are not fours. And the Pistons have been playing undersized. The problem, though, now with Duran and Stewart starting is that they don't really have that tenacity off the bench. And now when the bench comes in, they're outscoring teams. They were like up to 530 points bench scoring. First in the league in scoring, you know, in bench in December, in the month of December, just ahead of, uh, not just ahead of, ahead of the Dallas Mavericks by a lot, 446 points uh, is what the Mavericks had. So they're getting, they're, they're scoring, but the defense has just been awful. You know, they go to the bench. I love Marvin Bagley. And there's some games when he gets those 10 rebounds, other games where he only gets three, you know, but it never really feels like the impact and tenacity in the middle of the court is something that's actually being felt once Stewart and Duran are out the game. So when these guys get in foul trouble and they got to go to the bench or these guys need a break and they got to go to the bench, it looks bleak. But we're going to get back here to factor number one, Jeremy Grant. We'll read it off here. We wonder the fans were too zealous with Grant's departure as the anchor of the team had a defensive rating of 113.3, good for 24th in the league. And, and honestly, it was just hundreds of points away from being like 21st, 20th, 19th in the league. I didn't even know the defense was as decent as it was, but that's the impact of a guy like Jeremy Grant. We can't take that for granted. You know, like I said earlier, seven foot three wingspan, just chest under six foot nine with shoes on six foot nine. You know, uh, Dwayne Casey alluded to the swap, not doing the team any favors defensively about a month and a week ago this time. He said bogey's not a power forward as we talked about. You know, and it's, and it's imperative uh, for the Pistons to replace this loss. I believe that heading into this draft, I was kind of conflicted. Like, do they need a gunner right now? Do they need a 3 and D wing right now? Do they need a big right now? 
and and that honestly is their three biggest needs to me a guard who can just go out there and score like that ju that jay crawford that jamal crawford role but they just go out there and their job is to just get buckets. You got your guy in, in IV. You got a guy in Killian. You got a guy in K. These guys all have shown some defensive chops, you know, especially Killian Hayes, probably the best of, the, of those guys on the perimeter. Um, but they don't have a guy who can just go out there and score regardless. Like, I don't care if he can play defense or not. And I know we're sitting here talking about the defense. But if you can augment this team in other ways and just have a few players that are offensive specialists, then it's not going to affect this team as much, especially if they have the team defensive principles down. They can be hitting in mass and things of that nature uh, on the uh, defensive side. Now, as we move forward, you know, I, I'm hoping that in the draft or via free agency or in the tra trade market, which the Pistons are primed to be in 54 million plus in cap space, which means they can trade for and absorb anyone. So if teams are looking to dump a, a big contract, high profile players, so they can be players in the free agency market or to be able to try and pick up extra draft picks or whatnot, uh, the Pistons are primed to be able to be one of those guys. And they've done that several times by absorbing Boyan Bogdanovich, absorbing uh, Jeremy Grant. And, 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 and as you can see, they've only increased the type of player that they've done this with. So who knows what this season is going to be, what it's going to uh, afford. So, yeah, a gunner and then I believe a three and D uh, wing by that. I mean, someone to replace this Jeremy Grant role, someone who can play absolute defense by the three and D part of it on offense. I just mean these guys don't necessarily have to have the ball. They don't have to be ball dominant with a high usage rate to be effective on the offensive side of things like Tayshaun Prince. He did not have to have the ball in his hands. You know, that going to work Pistons team, their offense and their team defense overall was able to rely on the fact that he wasn't selfish. You know, and beyond selfish, he did not need to have the ball in his hands to make an impact. There were certain times in the game where they knew we could just throw it to him maybe one or two times a quarter. And Tayshaun will wind up with his 10 to 15 points per game. But the defensive impact was felt. That's what this team is missing right now. Somebody who's not going to get in the way. So like Jeremy Grant, he needed the ball in his hands. And this is the reason why they had to move him, despite the defensive impact that he did make. So he needs it in his hands that takes the ball away from guys like Kay, Cunningham, Killian Hayes. This year, they're taking away from Jay and Ivy. It would have taken away from CB Bay. They're already having a hard time right now trying to find the shots for these guys. So, you know, um, a three and three and D guy, they need that. And then most importantly, I think a bruiser, an absolute bruiser. You know, I've seen people talk about that they need a guy like Steven Adams to come in here. You know, uh, guys like 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 PJ Washington, guys who could just come in here and absolutely grind it away, man. I'm talking about, look, they might not go out here and get you 20 points and 12 rebounds, but you know what? These guys are going to go out there in there like 20 minutes a game, 25 minutes a game, and get you like a good one or two blocks. The fouls that they put out there are not and ones. Their fouls are going to put guys like, hey, next time I come to the lane, I got to think about the fact that this guy's into the paint. Not advocating for hurting people. I'm just advocating for Detroit Pistons defense where people think twice before thinking I'm just going to waltz down the middle of the freaking lane because you guys are non-existent. You got to do something different. All right, let's move on to factor number two here about this defense. Um, Factor number two. What do you guys think is factor? Factor number one is Jeremy Grant. What do you think is number two based on everything we've talked about with this squad? inexperienced guys listen they start right now like four of their draft picks from the last three years you know they they're starting killian if k was here he would be in there uh so it wouldn't change necessarily but killian ivy's a rookie duran's a rookie stewart is a player that's in year three and then you got Boyan. when you move to the bench it does not get better you got a bunch of guys there who you know notoriously are bad at defense or not known for their defense so, you know, this is something that I'm really, really, really hoping, you know, um, 
can get improved. I, I believe that with another year with them learning this defense, Casey has said it all season long. They're learning, they're learning, they're learning. And he said one statement that, you know, when you're talking about trying to address what's wrong on this team, you do got to always look at the head coach as well. I believe that Coach Casey's doing a good job as it relates to development, as it relates to getting the best out of this team. I don't know if that's what he's being asked to do. Like, is he being asked to squeeze wins out of this team or is he being asked to squeeze development out of this team? You see what I'm saying? But as it relates to the defense, you always got to you always got to look at it and see, hey, is he doing everything that he can to make sure this team is in the best spot defensively? And one of the, the, the notions here that I do want to criticize him on just real quickly is the notion of saying, you know, uh, our, our our preseason and then some of these games are like extended practices. We're still learning and working on things. Well, the way that guys look and play in practice, that's kind of how the Pistons have looked out there on the court. Their defense looks like they're still learning. Um, you know, Jade and Ivy mainly uh, and some others, Bagley and some other people out there, you know, the rookies, these young guys. We got to remember, they are still young. They're one of the younger teams, like the ninth youngest team in the NBA with one of the younger players in the NBA starting. And Jalen Dern, if not the youngest player, you know, but you cannot have this team in the mentality of it's not time to go. You can't have them in practice mindset. Oh, okay, I'm supposed to be here or be there. You got to have your dogs ready to go, ready to bark, dog. You got to have them ready to bite. That's what you have to have with this team. Anything less than that is going to have them out here getting punked on a nightly basis, which just happened a couple times. And it sucks because you see the improvement on defense, then you see them go down. And you see the improvement, then you see them go down. You want to see the consistency. And if it's not in stopping teams, you know, if it's not in our defense going out there and winning games, you at least don't want your defense to be the reason why you got punked. You can't be giving up 140. You can't keep giving up 70 points and a half. You can't keep looking like you're playing practice defense out there. Go out there and give it your all. Go out there and play. I'm not going to say that their motor has been down. I've seen the effort. But you got to go out there and play defense the way that you know how to play. And that's with all our ferocity and tenacity where your skill may lack. Where your knowledge of defense and where to be on the court might lie, you got to at least go out there and put in work on the other side of the court as it relates to, look, I'm going to at least hustle to the ball faster than this person. It's a loose ball. I'm getting there faster. I'm diving on the ground faster. Like, these are the things that I want to say. I'm getting into the passing lanes. I'm not looking at somebody just cut passing. I'm not bumping them. If you got to get a foul for that, get a foul. Get a foul. Do something different than allowing this thing to look like it's like the – the freaking three-man weave going straight to your defense. Like, these people out here playing the glow, Harlem Globetrotters. Y'all are disappointing my man right here. Don't disappoint Tayshawn. Tayshawn, are you disappointed? Tayshawn's disappointed, y'all. They don't work that way. Like, and I'm serious. This is probably the most reserved I'm going to really, really, really be about the defense. You know, I, I try to I try to keep things kind of, you know, the, the professionality of it all, man, so we can just deal with the actual issues or what we need to be able to praise about the same. But the inexperience is something that has to get figured out, man. Like I said, ninth youngest team in the NBA, 25.08 years uh, young, man. You know, and they lost a lot of experience. They lost a lot of, you know, uh, I, I would say veteran presence this season. When you look at last season, when the defense was better, when the record was trending to be a little bit better, and we were having hope about what this team could be, well, they just have more NBA veteran guys in the roster. You look at Kelly Olenek and you look at Jeremy Grant this year and what they're doing for their respective teams, from the three-point shooting to the leadership to even the rebounding and the defense, the Pistons would be a better team this year if they had those two guys on the roster, but their future would probably be a lot worse off for it. Right now, they're putting in work during the development year. Next year, if this was next year, guys, like I got told y'all last time, we are going on here and we are lighting them a new one, but we don't got to do that this year. This is the development year, and it's going to take us into our third factor. So 
not having a defensive counterpart. So Jeremy Grant, Kelly Olenek wasn't even a defensive like stalwarth, but he had enough savvy and understanding of the game to be able to be somebody to get rebounds, be able to be a pest. He was a pest. Y'all know that Kelly Olenek is pesky. Um, and then to be able to grab a rebound and go full court with either a pass or even being able to just dribble the ball down. These are things that help your team's defense because you're not giving the other team what we see that there has increased second chance points. Now you see the Pistons volleyball on the ball around tip, 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 tip. Then the other team still gets it and puts it up. Tip, 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 tip. And then Laurie Markin is popping off almost 40 freaking points against you, dog, because he's getting because the team could not grab often the, the, the defensive rebounds. They got punked on that regard, and they got to stop that, man. They have to stop that. They just do. You know, and I see here, you know, I'm going to read this quote, quote from Ivy. He says, I feel we need to be better handling ball screens and getting to the ball, just being better defensively, Ivy said. Coach talks about that all the time. I definitely think it's something we have to improve. We just weren't locked in. Defensively, we have to do a better job. And, you know, I'm going to get into something a little bit later as well when we talk about Jalen Duran. Because it's important. He talks about a few things in there um, that go along with uh, what we're talking about defensively. But our third factor here, we're going to get into it right away. Our third factor, it lays honestly with the front office. When you're talking about Jeremy Grant uh, not being here, Kelly Olenek not being here, you know, when we're talking about, uh, you know, the inexperience of the roster and things of that nature. Well, that's when we're talking about what? Think about it. The players that were here versus the players that weren't, that's the GM's job. That's the coach's job as well. It's a battery between those two to make sure that this team is moving in the direction they want. Now, to be fair, when Troy Weaver said that this team was ready to compete in the beginning of the year, it was with their full complement of roster. If you don't have K Cunningham, you gotta you have to change how you believe your year is going to go because K wasn't just a high-level rookie. He was a guy that was coming in and people thought he's an all-star level player this year, whether he makes the squad or not. You know, so that losing that is a lot. And K Cunningham's defense, he is not a traffic cone out there. He, he losing him, it shifts everything on the perimeter defensively because now you're relying heavily on guys like Jay and Ivy, who's a rookie. They're a rookie. But let's talk about this the roster makeups. I hear the grumblings of fans pointing the fingers of blame at Coach Casey, but this is something newly extended uh, general manager Troy Weaver may have to fix first. And I'm telling you everything we know from the Grim Reaper. Hey, you know, that that that's it, boy. Troy Weaver is this. He's not gonna he's not gonna allow this thing to be this way for long. I believe that this year, and you know, mark this down, it's an evaluation. I've said that all season long. It's a year for the players to develop, take a step forward, because next year they can't do this. They extended Boyan, and they said, and they're telling teams that they want him here because of how he matches and makes the game easier for Kay Cunningham. And if they go out here and spend this $54 million in any reputable way, this is going to be a team on paper that has to be better than it is this year. So I, I'm not blaming Troy. I'm not blaming Casey. I believe that what they're doing this year is what they have to do. Though I am disappointed in the results, I believe that they should be a little bit better than they are right now. And, and some of that blame is going to lay at the feet of Casey as well. Um, but how much of that blame is actually, you know, how much of that actually matters to what's going on this year? You know, and the injuries the roster makeup, but let's get into it, man. If anyone's worried about if this thing can improve quickly, don't. Troy Weaver has gotten six first-round draft picks in the last three years when we really didn't have any assets. I like, how do you get and garner the multiple first-round draft picks? Well, he put this team in a position to do that. Whenever he's made the signing or trade or whatever that people think, why, and it doesn't work out, he fixes it quickly. So that's why I'm saying just be a little bit understanding as you look at this thing, as we talk about Casey, as we talk about the players, as we talk about Troy, and understand that 
last year when this team came into the season with no pick and roll threat, and everybody said, Kay Cunningham needs a pick and roll threat. He signed Trey Lyles off the scrap heats or whatever, and he had already had Josh Jackson on the roster. He traded those two for Marvin Bagley the third. Guys, come on. It's not a lot to worry about as it relates to how quickly he can turn this thing over. You remember what the roster was before he got here versus what it's been? Killian Hayes is now the longest tenure piston. Think about that. That's Troy Weaver's doing. All right. So when you're talking about, you know, what they face with the defensive holes along the front court, as well as the need of a three and D type of a wing that we talked about earlier, one that can defend multiple positions on the defensive end, why not needing a high usage rate to be effectively, you know, effective on offensive end. You know, that's something that I know Troy Weaver is going to be able to fix. So, look, these are the factors this year. If it was about scheme, if there was some way that I believe this team could be put in a better position, you know, immediately with the players to do so. Yeah, but they don't have a lot of high defensive rated individual players, players who we know. Yet they're defensive lockdown. Patrick Beverly, defensive lockdown. A.D., you know what you're going to get with Anthony Davis. I know as the injuries have crept up, his defense hasn't been exactly what he's wanted it to be. But there are guys out there where you absolutely know Marcus Smart. These guys are defensive stalwarts. They are gurus. They are specialists, man. They are specialists. So until they get these guys who individually they are sound defensively, and or at least they, these guys on the roster take that step forward, I'm sorry, guys. It's going to be bleak, and there is not much we could do about it. But look, let's move on to Jalen Duren. Yo, he had a big matchup against Joel Embiid. Um, I wanted to see him get to that double-double, but I thought that he acquitted himself quite well. And there was an article that came from there. I want to be able to get into that um, very, very quickly. But with Jalen Duren, I wanted you guys to be able to tell me what is it that you feel he needs, one, to improve on the most. And then, two, what's one thing that you've absolutely loved that Jalen Duren has brought to the court? And for me, I'm going to be for real with y'all. Um, I love – I think it's, it's one and the same. I love Duran's defense, and I believe that that's what he needs to continue to improve on is his defense. Um, it, it, it sucks that he's come in right away and already been, and I'm going to say it sucks, not for him, but it sucks that he's already come in right away and been like our best defensive, whatever you want to call it, man. You know, our best defensive player in the middle, our best defensive player, you know, I, I believe um, – Really, really guarding anything that's coming in that paint, defending centers one-on-one. He's just been that guy. And it's a lot for a rookie. You know what I'm saying? They're depending on this guy a whole lot right now. But what I'm going to do first here is bring up Jalen Duran's last four games. And we're not going to be here quickly because it's kind of overlapping on some things that we talked about uh, in the defense. But here, looking at Jalen Duran in his last four games here, man, 10.8 points, 10.3 rebounds, one and a half assists per game. And honestly, the big thing here is a plus minus. Plus minus does not dictate what a player is, but I'm telling you, when looking at the Pistons plus minuses over the last four games, there are some crazy negatives, man. Negative tens, negative fifteen. So see him sitting at almost, at almost like you know, just no, just a just a negative, just a zero. That's huge. It speaks to the impact he's having when he's in the game. Now he got to get these fouls under control, and it's weird when they happen. Like in the first, the game against Philly, he got two fouls early in the first quarter. What is that going to do for the rest of the half? That's going to send him to the bench. So though he's not in foul trouble for the game, it took him out of the game against Philly. And when you're looking at the type of impact that he had in the game against Philly, you see he only had 28 minutes, which is kind of in line with everything else. But what if he could have played more of those minutes in the first half? He finished with seven points and eight rebounds, which was his lowest output um, production-wise out of his last four games. 
and really it showed up with him being shuttered in that first uh that first half uh the other games just to quickly go over it um against brooklyn he had eight points 11 rebounds two steals three uh, three steals to assist and he's he's just playing within himself on the offensive side of things like i said before unlike andre drummond who can never figure out how to just play to your level of offensive skill set Drummond felt like he was an offensive player. He played like he knew he was ideal, and he just wasn't. You got to develop. And that's why I say, ah, I got a caution this year. You know, how mad do I get about how they are looking? Or do I say, you know what? Take the time to get these guys right so that we don't got a team full of young Andre Drummonds who they got the potential. They want to try very, very hard. They really want to work and they want to get better, but they just don't have it up here and they don't have it as it relates to development. So I'm trying to play this ebb and flow. When I see Jalen Duran with the double-double over the last four games, it's encouraging because we don't have a big that's averaging a double-double right now. I'm going to say that again. Your Detroit Pistons do not have a big that's averaging a double-double. Now think about the bigs that's been in the Detroit Pistons lure of history, man. That's a problem. So they got to get this thing right. They have to get this right. But again, just looking at his numbers here, they had the big uh, double-double 15 and 14 against Utah. I, I was there at that game. He played really, really big in, in the last game against the Atlanta Hawks. 13 points, 8 rebounds. They got punked, though, again, bro. You're leading by 3 at the half, just like they were leading a couple of these other games on here at the half. They were leading Brooklyn at the half. They were leading uh, Atlanta at the half. I believe they were leading Utah or, or close to at the half, and they lost all those games. I'm talking about big in some of those games. The Atlanta game, then they gave up 140 points, bro. That type of stuff just can't happen. But as it relates to Duran, you see he's out here doing his job. He's averaging 76% field goal percentage. They got to find a way to do more, and he's getting more involved in the pick and roll. I saw him and Killian connect on a really, 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 really nice one. So um, I'm going to get into the rest of this article as it relates to Jalen Duran. Um, Philly, that's where he's from. They did a really, really nice article on him. I want to make sure I shout out the author before we get going. Um, her name is Gina Mizell, I believe it is. Gina Mizell from the Philadelphia Inquirer. If you don't know, uh, Jalen Duran is from Philly. So this was a pretty, pretty cool experience for him. I know he was ready and able and willing to face off with Joel and beat. That's what he wanted to do. But here is where uh, Casey was talking about what Duran needs to improve on. Um, like I said, one area is his defense. The other area that I think he's great at is, is that he's bringing to the team is his defense. Casey says, you know, the young kid just kept growing and growing and growing, you know, as it relates to not just his height and his size and his stature uh, as a young player, but he was also referring to Duran as it relates to his, his learning this year. Um, some of the things that he has to progress on, Obviously, his free throw percentage, man. It's it's something where if you're going to be a big man, you're going to be getting hacked. Let's try and change the trajectory. You know, he has a good shooting form. So I don't think it's going to be hard for Duran to really, really, really change this uh, aspect of his game with the free throw shooting. So I'm not too worried about it. But as it relates to the defense, um, you know, that's the aspect that I wanted to be able to highlight here. He says that he is willing to take blunt coaching and mention that he is a quick study. There's no magic wand. To say where he gets it in real time, just like all rookies, there's a learning curve, but he's right on track where he should be. You know, so we like the the ups. We take the downs. Uh, we hope he gets better. That's the obviously the hope with any of these young players. Uh, and with Jalen Duran, he has the mindset, obviously, to get there. And early on, as it relates to Drum Andre Drummond, who came into a system, into a situation as a big man with similar skill sets. There was nobody here focusing on developing Andre Drummond. If you remember when he got here, Lawrence Frank put him on the bench. And he got drafted into a situation that had multiple bigs here as well. 
Jalen Duren has been drafted into a very similar situation, only has a much better GM situation, a much better head coach, and to me, way better teammates, a little bit better balance, and a better future. This team is trying to build a program. They're not trying to just be a team that can make the playoffs, like SVG. He made the playoffs. Casey made the playoffs first year here. These guys, they're trying to do something a little bit different than that. They don't want to just make the, the playoffs two times in the last six or seven or eight years, have no hope of anything going forward. When they made the playoffs for Blake, it was like, yay, we made the playoffs. Whoa! But what the frick did it really do for us, man? We, we used to, when we saw the 04 Pistons, man, they won a championship in 04 and kept making the Eastern Conference championships well after that. That's Detroit Pistons, man. The, the, the bad boys, we hear about the one or two championships, the back-to-back, but these teams were doing work in their conference for a long time. That's a program, guys. And this squad is being built up a little bit different than the 04 squad. People say, what's taking a rebuild so long? What's taking us so long? Realistically, what's taking us so long is that they're building it on the backs of young players and drafted players rather than going out there and signing established players or trading for them. Chauncey, you know, was established. Rip was somewhat established, and they traded Stackhouse for him. Ben Wallace was established somewhat, and they traded Greenhill for him. Rasheed Wallace, they traded for him. You know, Lindsey Hunter, they wound up trading to get him back. Tayshaun Prince was the draftee. Corliss Williamson, they traded for him. All of the guys that they had, the Bulldog, the Pit Bulls off the bench, they traded for them, man. Memo and Tayshaun were the drafted players, and that's it. This squad is one in which they're saying, look, we want to be a foundational team based on rookies, based on our young players, based on controllability, based on being able to have depth. Because if Killian and Sadiq Bey, if they trend out to be on the bench, that's depth. That's depth. You know, so I, I want to highlight one more thing here with Jalen Duran before we move on to this heat check. The heat check won't take long. We're just going to get into just catching up on Killian Hayes and his progress, his maturation. I was asking where are the Killian haters at, you know, and honestly, I'm not I'm not hearing too many of them. When you got a guy who can navigate his ups and downs the way that Killian Hayes has been doing, which is what we talked about in the last one. Now, in this season, I wanted to see how does Killian kind of ride those ups and downs of the season when he has like an off-shooting night. And if his off-shooting nights are indicated indications of if he's having a bad game or not, Killian is changing those. If he misses some threes, you can still look in the box score and see, and now he had an impact on the game. You know, he's still playing defense. His confidence is not shuttered. He just missed a couple shots. You know, but um, just to close this thing up with Duran, um, Duran said right now, people are saying I'm pretty raw. I look at this as a good thing because I have room to grow in all aspects. For where I'm at now, I've accomplished a lot more than people would even expect. <laughs> I feel like all aspects of my game can grow. I feel like we're locked in on just me becoming the best player that I can become. Guys, I told you, development year. He's giving you guys an insight into what's being talked about this year. And though this season hurts right now, I thought coming into this year, at best, this team was going to be a playing team. 30 wins, maybe. 22 to 30 wins total. That's where they're heading, guys. We saw earlier that right now, 18 or whatever, I believe they're going to go on a little bit of a run. They've been a lot better over the last month and a half versus the start of the season. You know, but this is about where this team is going to be. So when I look at the squad, especially covering it and reporting it, I'm trying to figure out and find all the little nitty-gritty things that the box scores don't tell us. All the little aspects of what this team is trying to do, what they're saying, what the coaches are saying, what they're actually, what they're at least saying that they want to do. Because sometimes that's not entered into the discussion. When you see Jalen Durant here and saying, look, I recognize I'm raw. I recognize I have to grow and I'm going to be willing to grow. Guys, that's growth. That overall, even in the organization, we used to have and drive players here who didn't really care about that. So it's like, you know, I, I want to be able to come down on the squad next year, man, when we check in and do some of these, or even the second half of the season when this team really starts to hit a stride. We're probably gonna get more critical on a game by game basis because it's gonna be more indicate, you know, indication that 
you know, indicative of the fact that this team knows what they're supposed to be doing. They've shown the proficiency and now they're not doing it. Now we can get to the point where we can say, hey, you're supposed to do this because they've been educated. They're no longer raw, like Duran said. They now know what they're supposed to do. You know, so, you know, he said that's why he couldn't wait to go up against MB. Now, I put this one in here because I, I this is what the last paragraph is. It shows you where Jalen Duran's mind is at. You know, he wants to be the best and he's going to work at it, man. He couldn't wait to go up against MB. When I asked what he learned from the experience during half joke, how to draw fouls, because y'all know MB get that whistle, man, from the league. And he got them two fouls quick on Duran, and Duran had to go to the bench. But he said he looks forward to these types of matches, playing against guys like Jokic, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, all of the proven bigs in the league, Duran said, because why? Because they're at where I want to be. And I'm going to take it a step further. These guys are at where Jalen Duran is going to be, not just where he wants to be. He is going to be the next great Pistons big, period, period, period. Signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm telling you guys this. There's there's nothing more to see or to, to, to whatever. Just give him his time. That's it. You know, Jalen Duran, he is the second youngest player to 100 rebounds just behind Dwight Howard, and he continues to prove that he is going to be better, um, really, than any of us, I think, ever thought. When they came out and we thought G League and we thought this, we thought that shot. Casey said Sean Kemp and Troy Weaver said I would have taken him with the fifth overall pick, you know. So the interesting thing here is, you know, the fact that Jalen Durham was taking 13th and a lot of redrives right now are putting him in that top five, just like Troy Weaver said. And I'm saying these things, guys, because in the beginning of the season when they were stating these things about their players, a lot of people say, I don't know. And we question, and, and, and Troy Weaver's new to this GM game. Casey's the guy who's going to get a lot of flat. But these guys are kind of spot on with their development. They're just dealing with some factors right now in terms of injuries. And then some things that they do got to get right. We ain't going to excuse Casey's rotations. We're not going to excuse the fact that this team still looks like they're learning on the fly. That should not be. You had a full offseason this year. A full one. It should not be this. You had a full offseason to figure out. These guys, your personnel, injuries or not, you got to put these guys in a better position to succeed. You know, so the defense, you know, Jalen Duran, those are our big topics of this week. You know, you want to see this defense take some strides forward because you can't keep going out there giving 140 points. You know, people want to come out and if you're supporting a rebuild, want to be able to support progress. And on the defensive side of things, there's just absolutely no progress. It's just a matter of where that comes from. Right now, since you can't go out there and realistically make a huge trade, you're not going to go out there and make a huge trade to bolster this defense because it's not going to do anything for your wins or the trajectory of your season or your program right now, then you got to see it internally. I want to see guys personally take the stand, personally take the stand. Like, like seriously, it's defense. Get in someone's jersey. Start wearing it, bro. I don't care if they're calling region fouls or this. Show people, show teams. We're going to be a totally different animal as it relates to the physicality of this game we're going to come in here and we're going to make sure you feel us all right that's what i want to see out of this team i want to see the heart i want to see the effort go to a whole new another level i want to see the motor go to a gear where you know what bro yeah we are pushing it we are we are we are about to bust this clutch but it doesn't even matter because what's your season looking like right now you can't you can't keep stacking up and building this this can't be how it looks so it's like yeah i'm not letting them off the hook it's just this is the season that I've, I came in. I said, you know what? I feel like this is a development year. This is a year where they're going to see what they have because they got to make decisions on those players that they drafted in the first uh, season of Troy Weaver's tenure. They're coming up on some big roster decisions. Are you paying Sadiq Bay that second contract? Is Killian Hayes worth that second contract? Is Isaiah Stewart worth that second contract? I'm not saying it now. I'm just asking the question. Y'all tell me in the comments. Is Isaiah Stewart worth the contract? Is Sadiq Bay? 
and it's killing Hayes. If not, what are you doing with those guys? And if you don't know what you have, you know what old Detroit Pistons teams and GMs have done? Just gave those guys the money. Look at Andre Drummond. Everybody stated if they would have just given him a little bit less or not had given him the bag, Andre Drummond would have been a player that people are like, you know what? I'm fine with him. I'm cool with him. He's not that bad. But because they wound up giving Andre Drummond the bag, now all of a sudden he becomes a player who you can't augment the rest of your team with anything else to make up for his deficiencies. Every player is going to have deficiencies. So this team actually taking the time to see who their players are, to know if this is going to fit or work or not before they actually go and dump the money onto superstars or trying to woo other players to come here and augment. Get it right first. Know what you have first. So that's the only solace I can give you as it relates to what's going to make and take a little bit of the sting out of these losses this year. But listen, guys, we're going to use the last few minutes just as a follow-up. We're going to heat check and we're going to continue to heat check these matchups, Jay Ivey versus the rookies, as well as Killian Hayes and what he is doing on the season. So look, I got Killian Hayes' last four games, and I'm calling out the Killian Hayes haters. Again, where are y'all at? This is not about if Killian Hayes has an off-shooting night or whatnot. This is simply and always about the fact that Killian Hayes, I said, I want to see, can Killian Hayes be consistently one of those 10, 5, and 5 guys? Can Killian Hayes come out here off the bench or starting and be one of those guys that consistently you know what you're going to get from the shooting department, you know what you're going to get from the assist department, you know what you're going to get from the defensive department, and you know that you can at least count on him to go out there and get your 10. He did have a conquer in that Utah game, and I think that he had a lot to do with that loss. You want to see Killian as the first draft pick in Troy Weaver's tenure, be a guy who can step up without K Cunningham more and more, and he's been doing that. He's been stepping into that role without Cade and they've switched things from him being just play this point guard who comes up and just hands the ball or runs the set to a guy like I told you before stop thinking and just play ball Killing Hayes is a hooper he's a guy that needs to be able to have a little bit of sauce a little bit of flex a little bit of this that, and the other in his game not a guy who just comes up and just plays the role like Saban Lee is a guy who if he plays in the NBA he has to follow the roles because sometimes he's not as skilled as Killing Hayes just play hey look this is the set we think that we can utilize your speed and your athleticism within these sets to get the best out of you. Be a slasher, be this, be that. But the more and more I've looked at Killing Hayes, and when you go back to his French tapes, the more and more you see that Killing Hayes is a guy who's used to doing his own thing and allowing his elite playmaking to play off of that. As they've put him back in that role with, unfortunately, K. Cunningham being out, we've seen Killing Hayes start to flourish. And like I told you earlier, the one thing I wanted to see is these here. How do you go through the ups and downs, Killian Hayes? Because it used to be hibernation mode for Killian after he goes through a slump. He missed two or three threes in a game. You knew we ain't going to see Killian Hayes again for maybe another month. But now, like the last time we went here, we showed here's a one-game blip where he did bad. He came right back, had a good game. Two-game blips, did bad, came right back, though, had good games. And we see here this Utah game, right? So before it, 10 points. Five rebounds, eight assists against Brooklyn. It was a heck of a game. I wish they would have pulled it out. Um, he missed all his threes. Now, for the year, this is this is the part that he has to improve upon, his three-point shooting. It's looking terrible over the last four. But you look at his stats, almost 11, almost six assists, four rebounds again. Why? Because I said this beginning of the season, I don't care if Killian is shooting one to five for three. I don't care if he's hitting, you know, if he's taking them two to five threes and it's not hitting, but it's looking good and everything else is hitting solid, I'm fine with it. I am so fine with it. The other aspect of his game, and this is something I had Kuka Hill on my other pod. Uh, he was talking about Killing Hayes' free throws, how they've always been low. So I can't criticize him for only seeing two free throws over four games as it relates to it being a diminishment. But I can criticize him as it relates to Killian. You got to improve that part of your game. 
you got to find a way to get to the free throw line. You're too shifty. You got the ball in your hands too much. That means if you're going to have the ball in your hands and play this K Cunningham role, but you're not getting to the free throw line, then you're taking away opportunities from your squad to be able to get into the bonus and, and realistically get some of those other bigs on the bench. It shouldn't just be Stewart and Durant always in foul trouble because guards of the opposing team are getting to the paint. Killian Hayes has to be one of those guys that's doing the same too. But I just wanted to bring this up and highlight, look, Killian Hayes haters, I don't hear y'all. Where are y'all at? Because this speaks more volumes. This is who he is. Killian's going to be at best those 12, 5, and 5 guys and then be able to give you spurts sometimes that shoot up to 15, 17, 20, 25 points every now and then. That's what he's going to be. And if you look here, the most consistent thing that I love about Killian Hayes is he's not having games where he's not getting those four assists anymore. He's routinely getting between four and eight assists a game, making sure that the playmaking is on point. All right. Uh, the rebounds is up. He's getting routinely between four and five a game. Every now and then he'll dip down to one or two, but he's been battling and getting in there. And in points, 10 points, four points, 12 points, 17 points. The field goal percentage, if you remove the threes from it, shooting really well. Uh, the game where he's 4-13 against Brooklyn, if you move his 0-5-3s, he's actually 4-8 from his twos. Um, he shot 50% from two against Brooklyn, 50% from two against Utah, uh, almost 50% against Philly from two, and against Atlanta, he shot 7 of 10. Uh, he shot over 50% from two. So you see Killian Hayes is starting to get it. That mid-range is working for him, and he's starting to look like this is the Killian we're going to get. Would we have wanted to get a Killian Hayes that looked like Tyrese Halliburton? Heck yes, dog. I was stupid wrong on, on that one, yo. Stupid wrong. I called myself on that. Out on that one. I believe that Killian and Tyrese and Killian and LaMelo and these guys were going to be able to be a lot closer than they, in, in, in talent and in production than they actually are. Do I believe that Killian brings a few extra things to the table? Yes, but it's not at, it necessarily as close as it relates to what Jade and Ivy and Benedict Matherin do. Whereas Benedict Matherin is going out there and scoring, scoring, scoring. And a lot of people wanted to be like, yo, that's what separates him and Ivy. No, Ivy's all-around game and his scoring is close enough to, to, to Matherin's that his all-around game pushes him ahead. For Killian's overall game to be able to put him ahead or on par with guys like Tyrese Halliburton, he got to get that scoring average up to 16, 17, and his assists got to go up to 7, 8 a game. I don't care if he's coming off the bench or starting with the types of minutes he's going to get, 25 to 30 a game. That's just what Killian Hayes has to do to be able to prove, um, honestly, that he was a pick to be had. Right now, we're not talking about can he live up to his draft slot. He's not. He's not going to do that. But can he at least live up to... Uh, the type of player that can warrant a contract and help this team defensively be one of his best defensive players. Yes, he can definitely do that. Now, the last thing I want to get into, man, before I leave you guys. All right. We got this last heat check, and that's with Jalen Duran. I mean, Jaden Ivey and Benedict Matherin. And I got their last four games up. That I'm about to pull up here. That's all people. Y'all got to just wait, man. Just calm down a little bit. All right. Uh, people told me, hey, hold on there, buddy. I saw the comments and all of that. Listen, dog, I'm going to come out here again because basketball is not something that I'm ever going to say I'm perfect at. I'm still learning this game. I'm learning from scouts. But as we're looking at the game, my eyes see what my eyes are seeing. And I'm hoping that you guys can start to see the game from these perspectives, too, if you're not. When you look at the overall game and you look at the ways that Jay and Ivy was getting his points or not, when Jay and Ivy's scoring started to slump, it was when the team makeups changed. Him and Kay Cunningham we're starting to get some type of flow as it relates to how they were going to play together. And when Kay went out and you enter in a new point guard like Killian, it, the transition wasn't necessarily the most smooth. And then the lineups kept changing. You got Sadiq Bay going to the bench. You got uh, Stewart and, and, and Duran coming in and two big lineups and all of this, and everything is changing, right? 
So in that last we showed before, all right, Mathurin is scoring higher. Even over the last, we compared their 10 games. Since then, they've had about three or four games. And I'm going to show you that the trajectory the, the trajectory we saw with Jay and Ivy starting to creep, 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 creep past what we saw Benedict Mathurin doing is starting to even widen. The type of player that Jay and Ivy is, I'm going to tell you, is more like Dwayne Wade. He has to get better in the mid-range. He has to get better with his footwork. But as it relates to those things, we talked about it before, and people continue to tell me, nah, he like John Morant. Nah, he got to this, that, and the other. Guys, I keep telling you guys this. Please, listen. He even said this week, got a chance to be in a press conference. Listen, guys, I'm working on my mid-range. I'm working on it with who? Alec Burks, floaters, and shots. When he adds that to his game, whoo, it's going to be it's gonna be over. And he did it. He showed the proficiency. So, look. I'm going to show you all something. We're going to start here with Benedict Mathurin, all right? Benedict Mathurin, and it's not to hate on him. Like I told you, if we didn't get Jay and Ivy, this was the guy we wanted. This is the type of player that I hope the Pistons can look at next year, an absolute gunner. He may be streaky at times, but you know this boy is going to go out there and try and shoot, 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 score, 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 and put pressure on the defense. He gets to the free throw line a lot because of the type of game and the style that he plays. I believe Jay and Ivy needs a little bit more too, but look – over his last four, we see that his averages have come down. He was averaging about 17 points, about four rebounds, and one and a half assists a game on the season. Right now, Benedict Mathurin is averaging only 12.5 points, 3.8 rebounds, and, and a half of assists in four games. So like I told y'all, when Benedict Mathurin is not scoring, you see, all right, 22 points. That's dope against Cleveland. 15 points. That's dope against New York. But when he's not scoring, is he doing anything else for his team? No. He's averaging a half a steal. 0.3 blocks, really a half of assist. There's nothing else going on for him. And these are the things that I talk about, man. He's not, when he's not hitting the three, it looks bleak. 30%, you know, we take that. We'll, we'll take it. But this is who Benedict Mathurin is. He's a scorer. And for the makeup that the Indiana Pacers have, that's perfect for them. Like the Pistons next year are going to be more in a position like the Pacers to be able to go out and augment their team with a guy like this. But not this year. They needed a guy like Ivy, who when I bring up his stats, you're going to understand exactly the follow-up from last week's pod. You're going to understand exactly what we were talking about. Jaden Ivey's overall game, and if he can just get a few things to go right, hit a three here and there, get his free throw rate up, which is not his fault. I believe he's earned it. Look at the four games in comparison. Absolutely snapped. Absolutely snapping, bro. Like, he heard y'all. Jaden Ivey, 20.5 points per game, 3.3 rebounds, and 2 point assists per game. Now, look, his shots have gone up, so his assists have come down. He was averaging about four assists per game on the season. About 4.5, I believe, over those last 10 when we looked at it before and his rebounds. So they've come down a little bit, but he's still up. Think about those assists. Benedict Mathurin over the last four, 0.5 assists. You want to have times that by two points? That's only bringing in what? One point on average per game off of assists. You want to add that to his 12.5 points? Uh, he has a points responsible for Benedict Mathurin of 13.5 points over the last four games. We talked about the fact that Jay Ivey was sitting at 23.5 points responsible for, 24.5 points responsible for, to 21 points for Matherin. That lead has only grown over the last four games now. Jay Ivey, 2.8. You know, you, you want to times that by two, you're looking at, what, 60 or uh, 50, 54, I believe, or 56, I'm sorry, 5.6 points per game off of assists. You add that to the 20.5, you're looking at 26.1 points per game. So he's gotten better, dog, with the points responsible for. That's huge for Jay and Ivy. That's huge. And that gap 
is huge, man. It's over 10 points per game responsible for between the two players, Jay Nivey and Benedict Mathurin. And I need people to understand just how big of a gap that is, just the type of player that Jay Nivey is. Look at his box scores. So you know that whether he's shooting well or not, he's going to give you a ton. He just is. What I want to see him do is get less sporadic with his turnovers. Um, you see he'll have games where he has like one or none, then he'll have games where he has three or five. That's where I want to see him get better. I believe he's doing much better at, you know, doing things like getting to the free throw line. You guys see here his free throw rate went up. I told you if they get him from that stupid three and four game and get him up, you're going to see his scoring go up. They did that. Seven free throw attempts a game. He needs to get that, that up there a little bit more, that free throw percentage, but seven a game. That's huge for him, bro. His three-point percentage. He's shooting 45.5% in field goals, 50.9%. Woo! Elmo mean, bro. Get the flames going. Jay and Ivy's on fire right now. And I wish that this, I wish this team could see it happening in wins, but the makeup and the balance is just so far off. But I could not, when I looked at these numbers and I saw how these guys are, their trajectory is going, I don't stay as clued in to some of these other rookies because my job is to cover the Pistons. But when I see what Jay and Ivy's doing, I know. I don't hear nobody else talking about these other rookies right now, but they're also not talking about our guy. That's generally how you know that our guys are doing what they're supposed to be doing. This is work. This is work. We're going to definitely continue to heat check these guys. I'm going to start to compare Jay and Ivy to, you know, Paolo and some of the other top rookies, as well as bringing Jalen Duran up into this conversation, too. I don't believe there's a better center prospect in this draft. And I believe out of the centers that were taken over the last three years, give me Jalen Duran, period. Give me Jalen Duran. Y'all want James Weissman right now? For real? Y'all y'all want Evan Mobley over Jalen Duran right now? It's debatable. It really is because I think that Evan Mobley is a good player. But I believe that Evan Mobley on this squad instead of Jalen Duran, I don't know. I don't know right now. I don't know right now. I want that Sean Kemp. I want to see where he's going to get, who he's going to be, and what he could do for this squad. But overall, guys, this team, I, I want to see them fare a little bit better as, you know, they kind of move into this second half of this season. You know, they come through, they've played about 30 to just shy of the half halfway mark in terms of games, about 10, 15 out from that. And I'm going to see this team really, really start to get an identity on the defensive end. I'm tired of seeing them go out there and get punked. I'm tired of going out there and, and not knowing what they're going to give. That's the that's the that's the the hard part is sitting in there in the meeting. You don't know is this team gonna come out and give the effort? Is this team gonna come out and you know, crap the bed tonight. Is this team going to come out here and look the part? Is this team going to come out here and look like world beaters or are they going to look like rookies? You want to see the consistency. You want to. But all in all, let's recap. The defense and the factors, we went through those things. It got to be better. We are not excusing it. Um, we went through Jalen Duran, the big fella, still raw, still learning, still a huge factor, man. I don't know if anybody really, really expected or suspected this. Even himself, he said, I'm still raw. But he's doing his thing. He really is doing his thing. Killian Hayes, he's kept it up, guys. Another golf clap for him this week. And uh, Jade Nivey versus Benedict Matherin. These are the developments that you want to see. We can see her every single week and crap. Like, oh, they lost again. They lost again. Fire Casey, fire Casey. But is that realistically what's going on with this team? Is that giving you an actual deep dive into what's going on with this squad? It's really not. Whether they fire Casey or not, whether Casey is the issue or not, that still is not telling you what's going on with this squad, what the players are saying, what the coaches are saying, what Troy Weaver is saying, what the organization is saying, what the message from the organization is, what the direction from the organization is. These are the things that matter, you all. These are the things that matter. So 
as we get prepared for next week, I was going to have on Sean Murphy from Half Court and 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 and, and Steve of Wilbur Pistons to be able to come on here and and break down, you know, what other teams may be looking for as it relates to a trade package for guys like Sadiq, for guys like Boyan and such. So we're going to get into it. I am going to have them on. I'm going to do another like a 0.5 this week of the pod so we can get them on and talk about that because we do. We got to figure out who, which way the Pistons should be going. I'm going to have Steve come in to help us look at the draft component of it. And we're going to have Sean come in to help us look at what other NBA teams might be looking at as it relates to our transaction. So it's going to be a good time. But look, it is time to bring this thing to a close. Believe in Pistons. Troy Kool-Aid, NBA Credential Media. Until next time, y'all, let's hang, man. Again, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and we hope that these Pistons give you more of a gift in the New Year's. Till next time, y'all. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.